Greetings. You're listening to the Bonnie Boat Sailing Podcast. My name is Chris Smith. Whether you're a grizzled old salt, pining for the days of wire rope halyards, or a greenhorn, wondering what the hell a dolphin striker is, this is the podcast that seeks to fill the need for everybody's third most favorite pastime. That is, talking about sailing. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bonnie Boat Sailing Podcast. If you're just joining us, this first batch of episodes chronicles the refit and subsequent adventures of my wife Ryan and I aboard our 1967 Pearson Ariel Firefly. We spent two years on the hard fixing up the old girl and took her down the ICW from Virginia to the Florida Keys and back. Cheers! February 2016. Meals on Keels. Hi, hello, and howdy, dear readers. Chris and I are currently holed up in Georgia waiting out some nasty weather. This gets old, let me tell you. So our journey home has turned from sprint to mosey. However, this gives me an opportunity to finally write this post, which I've been meaning to get together for some time now. Meal preparation is a huge challenge here on Firefly, mainly because we don't have a galley or refrigeration or, ahem, room to do much of anything. What we do have is a two-burner Coleman camp stove that we hook up to our propane tank, a 10-pound aluminum tank that lives in a stock pot on the stern rail, and a cooler, which sometimes has ice in it and sometimes doesn't. We also have a nice set of nesting stainless steel pots and pans that my in-laws very kindly gave us for a Bon Voyage gift. Our Coleman camp stove lives on the counter under the companionway, along with the cutting board and plastic wash tub. Every time we make a meal, we have to pull out the stove, pull out the propane tank, hook everything up, cook, then put it all away again. We also don't really have room for the cooler, so we have made it the second step that you use to come down the companionway. Given all that, we have to buy food that will store well, that doesn't need to be refrigerated, and that is still hopefully yummy. We usually have some combination of the following produce on the boat. Onions, potatoes, sweet potatoes, tomatoes, avocados, apples, oranges or clementines, and lemons. They live in a net. We also learn that eggs don't actually need to be refrigerated. You have to turn them out. You have to turn them over once every couple days, and these are a staple for us. We have way too much canned food on the boat as well, to include salmon, tuna, sardines, herring, roast beef, chicken, black beans, kidney beans, mixed veggies, canned tomatoes, and tomato sauce, soups. Well, you get the picture. Then we keep other staples like pasta, brown rice, quinoa, etc. around. Excess canned items live in the bilge, and the items that we need to get to easily go in what has been dubbed the meat locker. Coffee, condiments, etc. live on some of the easy-to-reach shelving we happen to have. So, as you can imagine, getting a good nutritious meal together can be a production, especially while we are underway. As Chris mentioned a while back in his A Day on the Waterway post, I make coffee and breakfast down below every morning while Chris gets us going and mans the tiller. I think I got the better end of that deal. Mornings can be chilly. I very much believe in the cliche that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and I know we burn a bazillion calories while we're sailing, so I try to pack in quite a bit of food to our first meal of the day. I make coffee using a stainless steel French press, of which I am now very enamored. We both like Italian roasts, and, I, and have been really enjoying Trader Joe's Italian roast coffee beans. I hand grind the beans with a little stainless steel grinder on the coarsest setting, dump the grounds into the French press, and then get the tea kettle on the camp stove with enough water to fill the press. Here are some secrets I discovered using the Google to a good cuppa. 
Let the kettle boil and then set it aside for around 30 seconds to just cool a bit. Then pour a bit of the water and try to evenly wet the grounds in the bottom of the press. Wait 30 to 45 seconds. This is also a great time to stick your nose in there and get a good whiff of deliciousness. And then vigorously pour the rest of the water. You want to agitate the grounds now so that you get a nice frothy foam in there. Wait another 30 to 45 seconds before putting the lid on the press. Now, after you put the lid on the press, set the timer for 12 minutes. None of this four minutes crap like most people tell you. Then, after your 12 minutes, push the plunger down gently and enjoy. You're welcome. That is the best cup of coffee. Yes. That you can have, I think. <laughs> it tastes better when you make it on the boat, though, than when you make it at home. Absolutely. <laughs> I've also developed a couple different breakfasts that work well for us while underway. One I call Ryan's Not Yet Famous Underway Breakfast Bowl, and this is how it's made. Serves two. Slice up one onion and one potato or sweet potato, or both. Coat a pan with cooking spray, then add some olive oil. Get the onions sizzling and then throw in the potatoes. Cook until the potatoes are done and seasoned to taste. Meanwhile, as the onions and taters cook, slice up an avocado and put half in one bowl and half in another. When the onions and potatoes are done, add half to each bowl on top of the avocado. Then crack a couple eggs into the pan you cook the potatoes in. We don't want to do any more dishes than necessary, yes. And fry over easy. Throw an egg on the top of each bowl. Hand one bowl up to the captain and take one for yourself. Devour. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I think Chris is usually pretty content when I hand him up his coffee and breakfast bowl in the morning. Yeah, it's a good thing. I've also taken to making a breakfast that I call the Modified Plowman's Breakfast. It was inspired by an incredible meal I had at a little British pub in Dania Beach called The Plowman's. It's basically a little of everything you have lying around sliced up on a plate with a few choice cooked items. The version I had at the pub included a Scottish egg, sliced up cheeses, a little salad, some sliced up pork, tomato slices. It was awesome. Here's what my version often looks like. Toast, sliced tomatoes, avocado, hash browns, fried spam. <laughs> spam is definitely... Uh... <laughs> <clears throat> Very highly important boat food, I think. <laughs> <laughs> lunch is another story indeed. We're usually pretty busy around lunchtime. We're both above decks and involved in steering, navigation, etc. Lots of times, especially at the beginning of our trip when we were still getting into the swing of things, we'd sort of forget to eat in the middle of the day. Lately, we've taken to eating easy-to-prepare snacky lunches. Since we have no table or anything at the helm either, this is what a typical firefly lunch can look at look like sardines on saltines pretzels cuties which are clementine-y thingies sliced up baguette with brie we found a single serving cheese wedge packaged version that is fine without refrigeration peanut butter and olive oil garlic and italian seasoning as you might imagine we are often famished by the time we drop the anchor especially if we've put in a 50 plus mile day chris and i sort of take turns making dinner there's really not room for two people to cook though occasionally we will sous chef for each other Dinners range from heating up a can of chili when we're feeling lazy and tired to putting on delicious production. If we're re recently coming from somewhere with a grocery store, we'll have some refrigerated ingredients on ice in the cooler at our disposal. We keep corn tortillas around and eat them a lot. Tacos are pretty sweet after a long day on the water. Christmas dinner this year was special in that we had fresh ingredients from the grocery store that day. We made meat sauce with leeks and zucchini over pasta. Pretty much nothing beats catching a fish and eating it for dinner. 
We've only managed to do this a few times. This one time, Chris caught a creval jack, and we made delicious fish tacos for dinner. Another time, I caught a bluefish, and Chris made a fantastic meal for us out of it. There have been some days where I've been so exhausted, windblown, and oversunned that I couldn't muster enough energy to cook dinner at all. But mostly, we've gotten pretty good at making sure to get three decent meals in, despite all the work involved. At the end, there's dishes, and then we do it all again. Yeah, and I remember dishes being the uh, probably one of the the primary nuisance oh, chores on the boat. It was a real pain. It was awful. Uh, so because we don't have a or we we when we purchased the boat when we bought Firefly there was a sink installed mm-hmm. and then when I gutted the interior to take the engine out to take the engine out uh, we 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 removed it and then I ended up glassing that through hole in. And we never replaced... All the holes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually... I think the sink drained to a T off of the uh, the cockpit drain. But I think I, gla- I just glassed it in mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a fit of... In a glassing frenzy. <laughs> <laughs> but... So we didn't have a sink on the boat. So doing dishes involved getting some tubs out, washing up in the cockpit. And yeah. I remember it just... It was just... At the end of the day, it was, it was a pain. Yeah, especially <laughs> if it was raining or cold or... Yeah. Um, yeah, you were just tired. And- or if the potatoes from breakfast had stuck to the, uh, yeah. the section <laughs> Still Which happened all the time. Yeah. Still haven't quite mastered the, the cooking with stainless. I'm pretty sure... It's an oil. You're not supposed to use olive oil on stainless. Yeah. But we did, because we like it. Yeah. So we're going to run through uh, the trip north fairly quickly here. Uh, and, and Ryan wrote another blog about some of our adventures uh, and misadventures aboard our dinghy bug over the course of the trip. So this is called A Bug's Life. We've written several posts detailing our many adventures aboard Firefly, and now I'd like to share some of our adventures in and around our dinghy, Bug. Chris and I built Bug ourselves, which was simultaneously stressful and amazing, if that makes any sense. We picked a John Wellsford design called Scraps for three reasons. One, she's pretty. Two, she's small. Three, the plan said it would take about 18 hours to build. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> It took us at least three times that, mainly accounting for newbie errors, lack of proper tools, possibly exhaustion, etc. We used 4mm plywood for the top sides, 6mm plywood for the transoms and bottom. We used 1x1s ripped down to a slightly smaller size for the gunnels and frames. We got all the materials at Lowe's. We lofted the pieces on some particle board, cut out the parts, put everything together, glassed it, painted it, and Chris added some corner braces. I originally wanted to call her Anara after one of the characters in the show Firefly, but as soon as we started putting her together, I knew she was a bug. Once we finished building and painting, we had to install oar locks and find some oars. Paul, the boatyard manager at Regent Point Marina, where we kept Firefly, gave us a tip about having oar locks in two spots, one for when one person uses the boat, another for when two people do. The weight distribution changes dramatically, so you have to be in a different spot while rowing in each case. Thanks, Paul. I was pretty terrified the first time we tried to get into the dinghy. I was sure we'd swamp her. I couldn't relax at all. The first time I had fun in Bug was when Chris took me for a moonlight row around Lockley's Creek, right near Regent Point Marina, on a flat, calm evening. We'd been so stressed out trying to get ready for the trip, to move out of our house, etc. It was so nice to hear the oars moving through the water and see the waterscape in the moonlight. And so, Bug just fits on the cabin top when we need her to, and is very light and easy to tow. We've had our fair share of adventures in the little boat, that's for sure. When she's on the cabin top, 
we have to do what we call boat yoga to get down the companionway. When we tow bug, if we hit any kind of big wave or wake, we always yell, hold on bug. Hold on bug. Hold on bug. (laughs) Chris is the primary rower. He's been rowing since he was a kid. I've really only tried once and it was pretty laughable. So I'm pretty much cargo. I think you did all right. Was that that was no? That, you uh, laughed at me. Did I? You laughed at me. That's why I didn't do it again. <laughs> I don't remember that. It was at Peck Lake. I remember, I remember that. But I don't. I didn't <laughs> you laugh did at you. Too. I don't, you did. I don't think that's you true. Did. <laughs> <laughs> cargo. I'm pretty much cargo. <laughs> Landing the dinghy can be an adventure depending on where we are. When we were anchored in Lake Worth, the dinghy landing area was pretty crowded. We had been told that dinghies were being stolen and that we definitely wanted to lock ours to the poles provided. However, upon landing, the tide was up past the poles, so Chris had to lock the dinghy and climb a wall to get to the little beach, after first dropping off the cargo on dry land, of course. And I'm going to interject because, in hindsight... The dinghies that were getting stolen were the ones that had motors on I know. it. And I don't know why we were worried. So, so like, like six foot home built dinghy was was not going to be stolen. Whatever. I love that little boat. It's great. I didn't want and, anyone to take. No, her. no, and we would have been screwed. Had, that's, yeah, that's been very stolen, true. But you know, mm-hmm. I don't know that it would have. Uh, bug was a, a a target for thieves. someone else with a really small boat. <laughs> like, oh, that's exactly the size dinghy I need. <laughs> Another time, also in Lake Worth, after having a rollicking time with the crew of Callista, we were rowing back to Firefly. Again, when I say we, I mean Chris. And one of our oars broke in half. They're collapsible, so they're built to come apart, by accident. This was at 4 a.m. in what I would call a light chop. Luckily, Gilles, captain of Callista, had decided to dinghy over to make sure we had made it all right. We pointed at our oar half and yelled... To him, and he zipped over, scooped it up, and then towed Bug back to Firefly. Thanks, Jill. What's up, Jill? <laughs> no stress, eh? No stress, eh? <laughs> <laughs> on a related note, we keep our or our or our oars on Firefly's cabin top when we are underway. This one time, when we were getting ready to pull into the St. Augustine Municipal Marina on a windy, choppy, nasty day. I was frantically running around trying to get dock lines and fenders set up while trying to talk to the dock master on the VHF to figure out where they're going to put us. I, in my frenzied state, accidentally knocked an oar just enough for it to go overboard. Chris, at the tiller, saw this happen, leaned over, and managed to scoop up the oar while we were moving. Later, the guys in the dock master's office were like, nice catch, man. We've also had to use the dinghy in less than ideal rowing conditions. For example, when we visited my brother in Titusville, we had to row back to our boat in quite a nasty chop, against the wind, of course, in the dark. This was the first time I really thought we might capsize. I was screaming obscenities at every wave that soaked us, and we did get pretty soaked, and we weren't sure which anchor light was ours, so it took us longer than usual to get back to the boat and dry clothes. One thing that can be a little difficult with a hard dinghy versus an inflatable is that when bug bumps into Firefly, both boats can be harmed and the noise wakes us up. This usually happens if we have any kind of wind against tide phenomenon. Firefly, with her full keel, prefers to face into the current. Bug, being very light, gets blown around by the wind. So if the wind is against the tide, bug will get blown into the transom. In that case, we usually pull her up to our hip and tie her there with a fender keeping her from bumping. The night we were anchored out in a gale in Long Key Bight, Bug alerted us to the fact that we were dragging. We weren't really sleeping because the wind was so loud and the boat was swinging so much, 
But all of a sudden, we hear bugs slam, slam, slamming against Firefly. Chris and I got up, and Chris realized at that moment that we were beam on to the wind and therefore dragging. So Bug was kind of our watchdog. When we pulled into the marina in Tavernier in mid-January, we both noticed that Bug was looking pretty beat up. So one day, when we had some time, we decided to do some repairs. We pulled off the old corner braces, made new ones, covered them in epoxy this time, then repainted. We also added some cleats and then the sailing rig. Chris linked to a video of him sailing Bug in high winds in an earlier post. <laughs> that was pretty fun. It was... Uh... I forgot about that. <laughs> we, um, what was the guy's name who, uh, the kind of the crazy old guy living aboard in Tavernier who worked, he, he was a fiberglass guy and he, he worked in the boatyards down there since like the 70s. I don't quite remember his name. Mark? Mark, maybe. But, uh, he gave us, uh, the bottom half of a, a like a 12 foot oh, shark yeah. fishing rod. I forgot. It was like a, a fiberglass shark fishing rod. And, uh, so we used that as a mast, and I think we moved one of the oarlocks to the stern transom as a tiller. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh-huh. just a tarp for a sail. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it, she scooted along downwind. You couldn't go upwind at all. No. You just went sideways. But, uh, so I, I that we were in, I guess, Community Harbor, and I would, mm-hmm. like, row out to the mouth, and then it would, which would take, like, 20 minutes, and then I'd be back <laughs> in, like, three. <laughs> it was fun, though. I must say, when I look at Bug, I'm always filled with a warm, fuzzy feeling. Not only has she been completely necessary on this trip, but I think she is beautiful. My husband put at least three times more hours into building her than I did, but having had any part at all definitely gives me a strong emotional attachment to her. Okay, my turn. This is called The Long Road Home, March 2016. New Smyrna, Palm Coast, Pine Island, Fernandina, Frederica River, Crescent River, Cattlepen Creek, Wilmington Island, Bull Creek, Factory Creek, Wapu Creek, Five Fathom Creek, Bucksport Plantation, Calabash Creek, Southport, Big Lollipop Bay, Goose Creek, Beaufort City Docks. Or is that Beaufort? No, it's Beaufort. 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 Beaufort City Docks. Phew. Since last we spoke, we've been pushing hard, trying to bank as many miles as possible to get home by April 1st. Where our first trip down was a languorous meander, our return has been more of a delivery. From here in Beaufort, North Carolina... We have about 250 miles and several large bodies of water till we're home. At this point, we're both pretty ready to get back to Virginia. We're looking forward to a full-size kitchen, regular bathing, and seeing family and friends. At the same time, we're sitting at the dock, it's a beautiful spring day here, and we know it's going to be tough jumping back into dry land existence. Despite the increased pace of the journey home, we've been fortunate to meet some very fine folks and have enjoyed many gorgeous mornings, afternoons, and evenings on the water. We had a couple cold mornings in Georgia, spent a few days holed up in the marsh waiting for some contrary winds to die down, enough to get across St. Catherine Sound. Wind against tide down there is serious stuff, Skipper. Beaufort, North Carolina has been very cool. We skipped it on the way down, but we're glad we made the stop. Highlights? The marina has a courtesy car you can use to get groceries and the like. Totally sweet, right? I like not having driven for a while and then getting into an ancient, overpowered station wagon with loose steering and dodgy brakes. It was awesome. Tomorrow, if we can get out of this slip without crashing in all this current, we'll head north for the news. See you on the other side of the state line. So, I figured, given we've spent spent the past however many episodes, 10, 15 episodes, on the the ICW trip south, wouldn't spend too much time going over every, uh, every last stop but some anecdotes that kind of jump out from the trip north um 
we met uh, some some of our best friends, uh, Clay and Allie, aboard Soul Tide, and that's a it's a good story. But I'm going to save that because I think I'm going to try to have them mm. have them on to talk about their trip. Um, but northbound through Florida, um, we were pretty much northbound the whole whole way. We were just trying to haul ass, uh, but we stopped in Fernandina Beach, which we skipped on the way down, yes. as I recall. Yes. Um, and anchored there, and we met up with uh, Ed and Vicky aboard Alara, who we had initially met, I guess, in Oriental, right? Mm, wait, did we? Yeah. No, we met them at, in Elizabeth City. Oh, right, 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 yeah. right. Elizabeth City, and then we, we really kind of started hanging out with them in, in, in Oriental. Oriental. Yeah. Um, but that was, we had, a, we had a great time with them. Uh, it, was, it was fun to catch up with them. Uh, the Anchorage at Fernandina. Not the best. Well, there, I'm trying. There's a there's a mooring field, right? And we had yeah. to, and so you, we kind of had to like sneak onto the edge of the mooring mm-hmm. field, but it's fairly deep, as I recall. Yeah, deeper than we were used to. Yeah, um, and then, uh, but we rode across to the marina, and uh, and and Ed and Vicky had been there for a week or so, maybe, or mm-hmm. they they'd been there for a little while, so they they kind of knew the town, and we uh, we checked out the town and uh, had some adult beverages, some boat sodas, uh, and caught up with them. He yeah. turned us on to the Aero Press. Remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. Which which we now use. So mm-hmm. Ed and Vicky, if you're listening, thanks for that heads up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, for, it was cool. There's I remember there's trains in Fernandina. That's what yeah. I. Yeah, it's kind of a cool old feeling city. Yeah, we didn't get to see a ton of it or anything. No, I think we were just there for it. eight hours, twelve yeah. hours. <laughs> um, and then, but the the trip north is where we really enjoyed the Georgia section of the ICW. Um, we did end up, quote, stuck out in the marshes for a couple days. Uh, Several our, times. Yeah, a couple different times. Several times. Um, waiting for, for decent weather. Um, mainly the, the big sounds down there have, have a lot of current, and the wind against tide can really kick up a steep, short-period chop, um, which it, it would just stop us dead dead yeah. in our tracks. And I, I don't remember Going which... Like- Point oh one knots. Yeah, and just like slamming into yeah. waves every two point five like seconds. Terrible. <laughs> I don't remember what sound it was, but we remember we, we had we, we were the wind was at our back, and we came came around this corner, and then all of a sudden it was like at the entrance to the the sound. Yeah, which one? I don't I don't remember, but yeah. it was like, and we went from having like it was like perfectly calm normal day, and then it was like, bam, bam, yeah. bam, and the boat we weren't going anywhere. Um, and it was it was loud and uncomfortable. So uh-huh. so after that we kind of got we got a little more cautious um, with yeah. those with those big sounds. Um, but uh, but but the upside was that we we ended up spending um, a couple of days just kind of hanging out out in the marsh, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I mean it was beautiful yeah. and occasionally very cold. Yeah, I was. I think we, had, that, we started getting some cold weather uh, when we got to Georgia. Yeah, was that? I guess it was. Was it March at that point? Or was it still February? No, February. Been, yeah, um, I think. Yeah, I mean, I remember we end had, of February, early March. Yeah, I mean, I remember having to put on like long johns, shorts, jeans, yeah. <laughs> and then foul weather. You're on top of that to break the wind. Yep. It was cold. It was cold. It was very cold. <laughs> no heat or no heat on the boat. No, we drank a lot of green tea. Yeah, actually, that's to right. Stay warm. That's right. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I know one of those anchorages in Georgia was Cedar Creek off the Crescent River. I don't know if mm-hmm. you remember that. It was real. It was a real narrow creek, and we were anchored. Um, is there a house near there? Is that the one you're talking about? Uh, sort of. It was like it was like a. a 
if you went up the creek, you kind of went around a bend, and there was a, mm-hmm. a bunch of old shrimp boats there mm-hmm. that you could kind of check out. Yeah, I can't remember that. Um, and I just remember, I just remember it being. It was it was actually a really nice day. It was windy, but yes. it was a really clear okay, I day. Know, I know what you're talking about. And um, yes. and then the, and I remember we anchored, and then the tide went out, and the mud flat was like I don't know, like you could almost step off the boat onto the mud flat, <laughs> but the uh, I guess like the sloughs there, like they're really steep sided channels, so mm-hmm. we, were, we were fine. Um, and then the other thing I, the other big <laughs> memory I have from Georgia was that thunderstorm when we were anchored in, oh my in cattle God. pen. I was so scared of getting struck by lightning. Yeah. I was so scared. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we had, and we had been in thunderstorms before. This was like a big old thunderstorm directly above us. Nobody around. Yeah. No help if you need help. What, uh, we were, and I remember we were sleeping, we didn't sleep in the V-berth. Right. For some reason we decided it was somehow safer to sleep was in it the just middle loud, Or was it just the... too loud up there? Or uh, did we maybe move? that's what it was. I don't know. Well, uh, and what I remember was, <laughs> was the, so it's rain, it's pouring rain, yes. it's blowing like crazy and bugs start slamming up against the transom. Yes. And it was raining so hard that it didn't have, <laughs> did we, I don't remember if I had ran out of, anyway, I jumped out of the boat naked I think I ended up doing it twice, too. Yes. Went out, adjusted bug, yes. came back in, toweled off, and then something you I had, had to, to go back again. in. So I ended up like getting hosed, <laughs> hosed down naked in the middle of the night, freezing cold in Georgia. But uh, I didn't yeah. want to go to sleep in wet clothes. No. <laughs> but yeah, that was a pretty gnarly thunderstorm. So yeah. I recall. Also, because we got stuck so many times because of the weather, I think we made our... Our record of days in a row not having a real shower, yeah. which was nine days in a I row. I thought it was, a, was it nine or was it eleven? It was nine. Okay, All right. I remember. <laughs> that's plenty of days. Yes. Although really, that's pretty good if you think about on a tiny little boat. Yeah, and at least it was cold and not like nasty hot or something. How did we manage to shower more than every nine days regularly? I don't even well, remember. we used the solar shower when it was warm outside. Did we do that a fair amount? I don't remember doing that much. And I don't know because we, just... we must have stopped at marinas every week or so to. Take a shower. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Some Dirty places hippies. like in Beaufort, you yeah. can go pay a dollar or five dollars to the um, city marina and just use their shower. Like we did that a few places. Yeah. 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 But yes, nine days in a row. That was a nice shower. Not as nice as uh, St. Augustine. St. Augustine had like fancy bathrooms. Good Lord. Yeah. yeah. That was that was high class. It was a good shower. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then there was, I guess, in South Carolina, we stopped at Turner Creek, which is near Wilmington, near Wilmington Island. We, I, we, we, when we f- pulled up here, we couldn't figure out where we were. We thought we were in Thunderbolt. Everyone told uh, us we were in Savannah, right? But apparently, no. it's Wilmington Island. It's Wilmington all, Island, which is like yes. a—is it a suburb of Savannah? Or it's like a beach town that's close to Savannah. It's a barrier island, yeah. right? I think so. But yeah, near Savannah. Um, but uh, we had Double uh, A. You remember Double A? Aboard yeah. No Quarter had recommended that anchorage oh, to us okay. as a good place to get groceries, as a uh, yeah. like a Publix or something right there. Uh, we were also able to get propane filled, which was convenient. Yep. Uh, and then <laughs> we saw the uh, the Grateful Dead tribute band. Oh yeah, at a at a kind of a Mediterranean restaurant slash bar. And again, I think this was day eight without a shower that we went. Oh, so yeah. we both had to wear hats because our hair was greasy we did and nasty. The old, uh, the old uh, handy wipe shower. And we expected to get a shower when we stopped there, but um, the, marina was the marina was closed for renovations, so That's we couldn't right. go pay to have a shower. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. But that was a, that was a nice, that was a good little anchorage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Convenient 
convenient to a lot of stuff. We changed the uh, we 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 hadn't done any work on the the, the motor, um, but in a we while, yeah. we kind of uh, got up our courage and did an oil change on the on the motor in the in the cockpit, which was which went fine. I was all worried about it, but it went smoothly. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. And then I remember um, Elliot Cut, which <laughs> is one of the uh, it's I guess it's. It's on the south end of Wapu Creek, so it's south of Charleston. Just, just south of Charleston. Uh, and it, I forget what it connects. Wapu Creek to some river, sound, something. I forget which river. Um, but there's a ton of current there. It's one of the places that you do have to time the current. Otherwise, you, a lot of boats can't make it through. Um, and I remember actually southbound, I remember getting to the head of it and and it almost looked like it was downhill. Yeah, it's moving through there. <laughs> I don't know if that's if that's accurate, but I it exactly, definitely. I know exactly. It what you seemed mean. like it though, but uh, but that was at the end of a long. I think that was the long, longest day. Longest day, 60, 65 miles. Yeah, like that statue miles. Yeah. Um, and we we decided to keep pushing to try to make it to Wapu Creek. Um, and uh, but I do remember looking down and like we were going zero. <laughs> we like we didn't quite make it. <sighs> We were going like zero oh knots, God. and I remember kind of zigzagging, looking it was for like an so eddy. So stressful. There's like big rocks on either side of the. Uh, it's cut. a it's a wild little place. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's different. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Winya Bay. Do you remember this? I, rem- I. Which one is Winya Bay? Is that in South Carolina? Yeah. So we stopped at. Sure that's the right name. Yes. Okay. I don't remember that name. We stopped at uh, Five Fathom Creek. Remember? Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's just north of there. But there was all that rain. Remember that Georgia had all that, and South Carolina had all that rain. It yeah. might have even been that fall preceding, but there was still, some of those rivers were still, had all kinds of junk in them. Remember there was all kinds of like logs and stuff shooting down Winya Bay as we were coming up it. I remember that. Um, is that where Georgetown is? Yes. Okay. Yeah, There's no- it's, at the, it's at the head, the north end of Winya Bay, I think. Well, what's the name of that river? When you're coming north, you come out of the bay. What's it's- the river? That's where I remember there being flops and logs stuff. and like you're like playing a video game where you're like <laughs> dodging yeah. stuff. Oregon like, Trail. Yeah. <laughs> and then so we had stopped in Wrightsville Beach. Wrightsville Beach, which is near Wilmington. Right. Um, stopped to get groceries and hang out there. Uh, and that anchorage at Wrightsville Beach is is pretty open to the south for a good ways, remember? And, yes. and the tide turned and the Ugh. wind picked up and it was getting... It was not nice. We were blowing all over the place and bouncing around. Ugh, so not nice. So we, uh, we decided to up anchor and try this. We, we looked at the charts and there was this bay called Big Lollipop Bay, which was not charted. There was no charted depths, but the active captain reviews were sparse-ish but good said that people could get in yeah and didn't we, draw too much and we looked at the uh the google satellite yeah, images right. um barely made the bridge opening yes yes barely I remember that <laughs> um but yeah and we ended up anchoring in big lollipop bay which is a big circular bay surrounded by uh, houses. beach houses yeah but it's 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 bigger than it's it's a good sized bay yeah uh, and it was perfect it, it was, was protected super and... protected from the south some guy named Frank let us come, like, fill up our water um, at his house and use his outdoor shower. That's how we got so there. So nice. <laughs> oh, he was so nice. It was very, very kind. He was yeah. a sailor. I think he had, like, a 125 or something Okay. Like that. Yeah. I don't remember that, but yeah. he was very, very kind. But that was a great, that was a great anchorage. I it remember was. really liking that place. It was. I think we stayed an extra day there just to kind of chill. Did we? I think so. I think we spent oh. two days there. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, that was one of our one of our favorite stops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I remember, I think I think it was probably the next day going through Camp Lejeune. Yeah, and they they closed it down for live fire exercises. Yeah, and like the way south, it was like, oh, this is pretty, you know. And the way north, it was like, oh, this is a military like uh, institution. Like this is not. This is not just pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there, so the- there's gunfire and and flames and like helicopters and there's like was a, crazy. yeah like like hovercraft and yeah. there was, remember there was the uh, like the river patrol boats like it looked like something out of uh, was Apocalypse Now right? yeah like with the Marines with the big fifty cals in the front it was the, it was crazy yeah and and so we're coming up through I guess it was right at the entrance there and they you know the boats kind of stopped there's maybe one other cruising boat or maybe it was just us I don't I don't remember um, because they were they were doing live fire and you could hear like yeah. And they were like blowing trees apart. There was we came around the corner when they uh, <laughs> let us know we could, and there was a tree on fire yeah. on, on the left side. Yeah, it was wild. It was crazy. <laughs> um, so we made it through Camp Lejeune, and uh, we we decided to anchor at this little spot called Goose Creek, which was probably the narrowest anchorage we stopped oh, yeah. in the whole trip. Um, right, because we didn't want to um, deal with the current. I don't think we could make it to Swansboro. Swansboro. I, don't, I think we were we were running out of daylight. Oh, okay. I think maybe. Um, but yeah, and we could much. hear we could hear explosions from Camp Lejeune from there, though. Yeah, that's right. The yeah. whole night. Yeah, the whole night blowing stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and so we stopped in in Oriental again, and we were uh, waiting on whether to to cross the news. Um, yeah, it was. I was scared actually on the news just. Hopping over to Oriental that day, it was yeah, it windier. Was, it was out of my comfort zone. It was wind, yeah, it was windier, and and I do, and I think I'm going to touch on this actually on, on the next. Uh, this is the penultimate ICW <laughs> episode, the, the ultimate ICW episode. I want to <laughs> talk about kind of on the way north. We kind of felt like we lost our mojo a little bit. Yeah, um, but we'll get into that. But we so we stopped in Oriental and we spent a couple of days there. Um, we had our coldest night of the whole oh, trip yeah. in Oriental. Below freezing. It was very very cold, very cold. Yeah, <laughs> that was a cold night. Um, we um, but we got interviewed there for the uh, the, the their oh, website, yeah. the TownDoc.net. That's right. Um, I guess I'll post a link to that if I can find it. <laughs> but that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a website that they it's they have a harbor cam uh, for the the Oriental Town Dock, and they occasionally post stories about visiting sailors. So it's kind of mm-hmm. cool. It's it's a cool website. Oh. Um, any other uh, anecdotes from the the trip north that jump out at you? I'm trying to remember. I mean, mostly we were rushed. We yeah. felt rushed. Yeah. Um. There were a lot of fronts coming through, so when we got good weather, we went hard. as fast as we could, and then we'd get a couple days of, you know, 30-knot winds. I remember actually being in Titusville. Um, yeah, with Clay, at, hanging out yeah, with Clay and Alley. Hanging out with Clay and Alley and going to the movies, because even while we were in the marina, you know, you could see the boats getting pushed over yeah. um, by yeah, the wind. I guess and, we have February and, you know, February yeah, winter. Yeah, um, so. that being kind of nasty and... Um. Yeah, being cold. Yeah, <laughs> for a lot of the trip north. Yeah, for sure. So, um, 
So uh, that's it for this week. Uh, we'll see you again in two weeks, uh, and it'll be the uh, the final ICW episode. Um, as always, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, leave us a star rating and a review in iTunes. Thanks. Until then. That's it for this episode of The Bonnie Boat. Thanks for listening. I know time is my most scarce resource these days, so I appreciate you uh, choosing to spend your time listening here. One of the reasons I decided to throw my hat into the podcast ring is to get in touch with other like-minded sailing maniacs. To that end, if you have any comments or suggestions, you can email me at thebonnieboat at gmail.com. You can find us online at thebonnieboat.wordpress.com. And remember, to be a sailor, you don't need a YouTube channel with 100,000 video subscribers. You don't need an Instagram account with pictures of beautiful people in their bathing suits. You certainly don't need a podcast. You don't even need a boat. You just need to go sailing. Until next time, this is Firefly standing by on Channel 16.